Grand Rising, everyone. Now we're to live. Spurring coffee. Got my coffee here. Mm. Yum. Oh, such a lovely coffee. <laughs> All right. So the, for those of you on Facebook, please say good morning. Um, for some reason, it's not showing me anymore who's on here. It's totally frustration. I'm going to move platforms. I think November 1st and just make it. Hey, Linda. Now, of course, not platforms on Podbean, but uh, on the Facebook Live, because it just seems like um, probably not the best place. From Ireland. Oh, nice. Now we have Ireland. I know we had uh, people from Scotland, Australia. Um, so what we're doing, I don't know if you've ever listened to this, Linda, um, and since you are the first person on here. <laughs> newbie here okay so what i'm doing um is reading passages from the emerald tablet alchemy for personal transformation so really diving into the spiritual alchemy a practice of esoteric wisdom meaning that alchemy itself is a process and the process that can actually start to um we can use the wisdom of of this ancient they say it's hidden wisdom or hidden knowledge, but the reality is it's all there. It's just, it's been split up, fragmented, and put in all kinds of different places um, to keep us from really understanding who we truly are um, and opening up our eyes to our, our divine power. And so uh, a reading from this book um, goes over sort of, you know, how did, how did spiritual alchemy come to be? what really what was it and so we have the um emerald tablets the ancient texts that tell us and support us hey kumar so um going over this um with hermes right and figuring out like when did the text um are the emerald tablets start to arrive and what happened as a result of it because people are constantly looking for how did this um world come to the you know way it is now what happened that we actually started to see the world the way it is today and how did it shape and mold in the way that it is today well alchemy right and so we have people who are lost in this confusion not really understanding how we have shaped this world the way it looks today the emerald tablet there you go okay so here we go. In the mystic sense, summarized in the 19th century, French um, theorist Anton Ataud, the author of the Egyptian Hermes, was a symbol of divine mind. He was incarnated thought, the living word, the logos of Plato, and the word of the Christians. So the corpus hermeticism or hermeticum re uh, really contains the ancient Egyptian doctrine, which traces can be discovered from the hydroglyphics which still cover the monuments of Egypt, okay? Um, actually, whether or not the Corpus Hermeticum was written by the hand of Hermes is a moot point, since the Emerald Tablet actually encourages this sort of plagiarism by espousing the idea of the one mind, which anyone can access through proper mental attitude. This one mind is the one mind of Hermes, the mind of our higher selves, and anyone who reaches it can write it from the perspective of Hermes Trismegistus. It is a tradition that goes all the way back to uh, Thoth, 
who was said to inspire people with direct perception of truth. May thoughts write to you daily, utters 35,000-year-old Papyrus of Ani. So if we looked at it, right, and we understood Hermes, hey, hey, Christina, hey, uh, Kumar, I don't know if you're still on here, um, but it's with Hermes, um, or with thoughts, when we look back, we see that it is the one mind, it's the logos, it's the ability for us to communicate, but we all have access to it. So they call this the esoteric wisdom, the hidden wisdom, the hidden knowledge. They, they say that we don't have access to it, or what has happened is they've utilized the process, like I said before, and created and shaped symbology, logos, um, with the active imagination being that the active imagination was severed or taken out of the storyline so that people would be misdirected and not have the ability to be creative um, in their undertakings. Now, that's not to say that people aren't creative. Like there's, of course, there's artists, there's all these things, but what they shaped was an entire illusion around their, um, <laughs> their, desires to be powerful or stay in power um so the intention behind the creations that we see why is it that you know the game of of commerce right or the game of that we see quote unquote the american dream think about it what's the word dream um was founded and based on what to benefit who what was the intention behind it um how did it come to be what was the illusion that they were trying to create? What imagination did it come forth from? Who set that in motion? You see, the world as we see it is just a creation of our imagination. And what I'm talking about is our buildings, our government structure, everything is just an imagination that was made by humans. It's an illusion. It's not real. We could go back to the jungles and not have all of these structures and governments. And what would be real then? This would go away, right? And we would see that it is a grand illusion, okay? Could there be some of us that are natural inclination to see outside the box and find connections differently than others? Absolutely. Thanks for the question. So that's us, right? The individuals who stay on these podcasts, the individuals who are seeking, the individuals who go to these type of podcasts are the individuals seeking and recognizing that we don't have to live by this specific storyline. There, There's many ways that this could have played out. There's many ways. Now, sometimes by force, by force seems to win, right? Let's look at the Buddhist monks who were driven out of, well, let's just say uh, China, right? Uh, they don't fight. They're not going to fight back. That's not part of their philosophy. And in India, when this was going on, and the the monks, uh, the Buddhists, they, Buddhism nearly dissipated and went away. And when I was in India, they were restoring Buddhism. They were taking the ancient Pali text and re-transcribing um, them into other languages because they were not going to fight. You see, so the illusion that won was the one that severed and um, <laughs> conquered, you know, the lands, the ones that came and destroyed and blood and sweat and tears and cut the heads of those who didn't follow, right? 
and put them up on posts. So it's a bloody mess. It's become this bloody warfare. Um, why? Well, because people want power. People want, and for what? I don't know. Like, I personally don't understand the psychology behind it because that's not my psychology. My brain doesn't understand it and can't process that way of thinking. So there are individuals who think that way. We we can't deny it. To deny it would be to living be to live in a false reality. We need to accept what we see happening around us. That there are people who will do anything for power, including killing. Now we can make them right, wrong, good, bad. We can whatever we want to do, but the reality is is that's the reality. That's what we see happening in the human psyche that people will go to extremes to maintain um, structure and order by their design. Do you see what I'm saying? So the design that's created is by their own design. It's not by the design of other individuals and we live into that design. So when we look at, if you go back to your own countries um, and look at the intentionality of how it was derived, how did it come to be? Right, we had indigenous cultures at one time where um, the active imagination and the irrational brain was um, actually glorified. See, shaman, if we go back and we look at the shaman, the true nature of shaman, not this neo-shaman, new stuff. Uh, trust me, I, I get a little triggered. That's Natalie talking, but um, you know, transcending Natalie ego story. The shaman were the Evanki. They came from Siberia. They were um, actually, um, they were um, from Siberia and they lived in the cold. And they uh, thought it was Arctic hysteria where they were going crazy. But when these individuals uh, stumbled across the tribe of shamans, these shamans would go into a trance and they would communicate with the energies and these energies could have been good bad malevolent. Uh, they could have been whatever it was so the shaman um and it was glorified in the community they were glorified as healers people today and what happened with the western mind is they said they were crazy see but part of connecting to that that state of mind is allowing the active imagination to seep into us but we we're not doing that right now we don't honor that part of it the irrational mind is seen as, as psychopathic or crazy or um schizophrenic or you know all of these language that we give it we don't give it a place to be honored so we want to rationalize the irrational and it's not possible but what the irrational gives us is what we call the active imagination, the ability to create um, new worlds, the ability to shape new existence. So people will hold on to that and they'll go as far as actually killing people and not care. I mean, we see that people come and they do conquests, right? We're just going to go, we're going to, and we're going to take it from you. If you don't buy into my story, if you don't buy into the fact that I am the great person or the great grand one, I will, I will basically take you out. And that's what we saw in history.
right? People that walk around as though they are gods and the rest of the people are just what expendable. They're just whatever, throw them out, who cares? <laughs> and we see it. This is a reality. I'm not making this up, go back in history. It's everywhere. Now, should we be thinking it's right, wrong, good or bad? No, but we can understand something about this. And we can start to prepare ourselves, move ourselves in a direction that's going to support us, that's going to carry us beyond the storyline that we currently live in, beyond the spell that we're currently under. And, and it's, a, it's a beautiful thing because each one of us has that ability. So, yes, there are people who rise, um, you know, asking that question. There are people who wake up to who they are and know who they are there are people who come into the world now we try to describe this in language they talk about the star seeds the indigo children um they talk about individuals who are are awoke or awake um so there are people that don't fit in this box they're trying to put us in a box but the human consciousness um will not be forced into a box right Think about it. I talked about 1986. You can torture an individual to try to think a certain way. And if they just won't think that way just because they're tortured, they've tried. The government has tried to do all kinds of stuff to individuals to make them banned. I mean, it's out there. It's public record. They used to shock people. I mean, they used to use shock therapy to try to get individuals who they thought were psychotic or something was wrong with them. They would shock them to try to, for medicine, to try to get them to think differently. But see, we, <laughs> we don't respond that way. We do respond to that um, sensation and, and stuff our body does physiologically, right? We have these two systems, the sympathetic parasympathetic system, and the way the brain works, right? We have a monkey mind. We have a reptilian mind. Um, go look at it. It's the cortex. I could show you guys. Some of the stuff we're meeting in the Buddha brain um, is a book that I'm reading as well. Um, and you can see they go over kind of the brain in a very layman terms. It's pretty cool. But they talk about the brain stem, right? And the monkey mind and the different parts of the brain that release certain chemicals so that we can have certain experiences. So we, we have that primal mind. that monkey mind, right? But you can't get rid of the chemistry fully that's in the brain unless you, unless there's brain damage and you turn off certain centers in the brain. So, and we don't know enough about the brain to even do that anyway. Like they're barely exploring. The brain is such a weird, weird thing. It's so weird. It's, it's pretty phenomenal actually to think about it. Um, which I'm not going to, I mean, I could go into the magnificence of our body and what it does for us, um, which is cool. <laughs> but we do have this imagination. How do we bring that imagination to life? Think about it. Our body without imagination. Just imagine that. Imagine we had no, imagine, see? Imagine that we had no imagination. <laughs> That's a weird one. Imagine we had no imagination. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> getting all these riddles right um but it's true imagine you had no imagination and you were just a body without any kind of um 
any kind of sense of thinking up new things or, or connecting and engaging in this fantasy world. Because we do, we have a fantasy rolling in our mind. Things don't play out the way they play out in our mind, right? There's a separation there, it seems. This is where um, we look at it and we say, oh, well, it's irrational. So that's what's happened in society, right? Nothing to be afraid of, nothing to fear. What it is, is an opportunity to recognize an opportunity to wake up, see, and allow the imagination to go. You're not crazy for doing it, okay? I'm going to tell you right now. There you go. You're, you're not crazy. I love it when people talk to me and they're like, don't think I'm crazy. I'm like, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> right? The, 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 the ability to go from our irrational mind to rational mind, it's, it's really, it's, a skill that we build and you can build this skill this again i keep going back to this is what's going to create and shape the new world it's going to take our active imagination and our creativity to reshape and reform um something different right now what we're seeing is the illusion of somebody else's creation and it's totally distorted right i think Perhaps I want to say, and I can't say for sure that it started off maybe with good intentions, but I don't know that for sure. I mean, if we go back in history, what was the true intention behind the creation of our society here in America, right? I'm talking about America specifically, but in any place, what was the intention? Was it survival? I mean, mostly, probably because that's really um, part of our uh, chemistry, right? It's to survive, we wanna survive, that's part of it. And then it goes beyond survival and it becomes greed. And, and then we have this greed and the greed creeps in and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, it turns into power and, you know, and then before you know it's separation and us versus them and all this craziness. When there's enough, there's an abundance and there'd be a more abundance if we played nice in the sandbox. We wouldn't be destroying the earth. But the storyline is just twisted. So we can start to look at that and say, okay, how do we bridge the gap between the irrational mind and the rational mind? Okay, now the irrational mind is not a bad, it's not bad to be irrational. It's not bad to drop into that active imagination, but it's, being able to look at it from a rational state of being, which is kind of crazy because it's hard. How do you bridge the two? The rational mind uh, sometimes wants to make meaning out of things that don't have meaning. And that's what we become meaning making machines. That is a, a concept that <laughs> meaning making machines where we make meaning out of everything. And sometimes it doesn't have meaning. Sometimes it just is. Like for instance, we see um, an aspiration, or we see um, we see uh, a UFO, or we you know I don't know we see something in the sky and we try to make meaning of it that maybe we don't like trying to make meaning of the fact that I one time dropped a fork and it disappeared, it literally disappeared like it was just gone and it, there was three people there and all of us were like where did it go, gone, disappeared. Well, I could make meaning out of that, or I could just say it disappeared. <laughs>
but I could come up with all sorts of ideas of why and how and this and that and make, you know, make meaning of it. And maybe there was no meaning. So we become meaning making machines. We want to rationalize the irrational and sometimes it doesn't go that way, but we can use it. Some of it can be utilized to reshape and remold our perception in life and our worldview and the way that we engage with our world. I thought I was going batty in and opening my eyes to seeing a culture of entitlement, but thanks for making me feel normal. Exactly. Yes, you you are. Um, well, you know, let's not say we're normal. I don't know that we're normal, but um, we're not crazy. <laughs> we're... we're or we are crazy in our own way. One time I thought I was a woman and something else appeared. Oh, yeah. Oh, I've had those things before, too. Huh. Thank you for sharing. I have an internal um, man that exists in me, right? We all do. We all have these energies. Now, we can't say we're one thing or another. And that's pretty, I mean, it would be pretty, um, what's the word? I don't even know what word I'm trying to uh, it would be pretty um, shallow. No, that's not the word. It would be it would be not right for us to just say that we're one thing or another because we're not. We're we're changing all the time, and some of these thoughts that come in our head we don't share with everybody, right? Because they're like, "Wow, I'll probably be put into the mental house because that's what we've done in society." And there's no place to honor um, some of the stuff that swarms through our minds, right? There's no place for it. And we don't know what to do with it. And sometimes we just, we hide it. Now, here's the deal. Some of it is, what is it teaching me is the better question. What is it teaching me? How is it teaching me to live with intention or divine purpose? And how do I transcend or how do I bridge the gap between what, it, what I'm seeing that's uncomfortable into something that has potential to create something meaningful in life right the meaningful stuff so again the the irrational mind is not doesn't have a space to exist and that's part of the esoteric wisdom that's part of the esoteric knowledge that's been hidden from us and hiding it which has been you know They've been very good at trying to do this. Now it's starting to open up and people are starting to wake up and recognize, right? They're like, what kind of grand illusion am I living in? What is going on? Now, it's going to cause a bunch of weirdness because people are like, oh, man, they're on to us. Your doggy wants a snack, I know. They're on to us. They're on to us. They're getting that we are doing these things. And so how do we mystify them and put them back under the spell so that we can maintain control? Um, what do we need to do? What kind of sorcery do we need to do? And so, you know, they come and they do some weird shit. And then you're looking at them even weirder because they're just, <laughs> they're trying so hard to hold on to power. And then it just becomes this distorted weirdness that it's nearly impossible to, to, to not recognize and see. How could you not see it? It's almost so ridiculous that you're going, 
what is wrong with you? What is going on there? Something's happening. <laughs> Are you okay? And then they will say, well, yeah, I'm okay. And I'm just going to continue to try to manipulate you to, you know, and then you're just like, no, you can't anymore. Like, that's okay. I'm good. You go do you and I'm going to do me. <laughs> and that's okay. If that's what you want to do, there are consequences, but not necessarily the storyline I choose to live under. Not necessarily the storyline I choose to follow. So go do you. <laughs> and you wake up and then you realize, okay, now what? Now what do I do? Who do I get to be? Well, it's almost like a child growing up in a way if we've been under this uh, grand illusion, we've really been these children um, kind of lost in a storyline like Alice in Wonderland, just just totally in this storyline. And now we're going like, whoa, what storyline are we in? What the hell's going on here? Right. And then we wake up and then we go, wait, was that real? Did that really happen? Did I really see that? Did I really watch that? On, did I just see that on TV? Did I just see this? person doing that like what in the world is going on and we sort of wake up and then we start to realize what is real like in this tangible world and what is this imagination well I want to say that 99% of life is a story and then that 1% is a fact and the number is probably even smaller if we lived in fact, life would be boring. If we lived just in the facts, think about your stories. You wouldn't have any. Your stories would be boring and no one would listen to them. <laughs> they would just be like, whatever. But we have stories and we put meaning behind things. And then we shape things and mold things and create things. And sometimes what we're creating is keeping us stuck in time. It's not allowing us to move on. The dialogues that we're having are shaping our existence. You guys hear this. You guys know this. It's There's books written on this stuff. Tons of books. Oh, what's a good book? The Greatest Salesman in the World. That's a good one. The Greatest Salesman in the World is a 120-day commitment. No, I think it's a year. I can't think. 30, 300 days. My bad. It is 300 day commitment. Okay. So the 300 day commitment and the greatest salesman in the world, I have done the 300 day commitment with a group of friends. I mean, we were committed to just getting on the phone and reading it at night, every day, every night. And we went and went and went and we did it for the entire time. And what it does is it talks about how language shapes our reality. Basic stuff, right, that we've been told over and over again. But it's true if we start to really understand how. How is it shaping our reality? Where do words come from? You got to dig a little deeper there. Well, words come from our active imagination. Words came from hydroglyphics. That's where it first started in pictures. So language, right, became um, something that they used to hide wisdom from us, things from us that they understood, how they were shaping the world around them, okay? And they took it away 
and or they coded it in ways we don't understand. People are still decoding um, these languages of writings and texts from ancient times. They're still decoding stuff. There's still languages that have never been decoded. People came up with English is, is a coded language. If you don't understand English, you don't understand certain things. If you don't understand, like in Alaska, or if you if you go to these different um, where the Eskimos are, they have different names for snow. You know, they have different names for rice in Asia. You know, there's there's all these different languages that are shaping and talking about the world. There's certain languages that don't have um, nouns. There's certain languages that don't have gender. You see, grammar became um, a way to hide ancient wisdom, the logos. They said, oh, well, we're going to construct it this way, and who's going to decode it? People don't even realize English is a commerce language. It's a language of, of business. It's really, people are like, oh, uh, America's a corporation. Yeah, it is. And the language itself is commerce. It's language set in commerce. It's there for doing business. Okay, it's a business language, if you want me to put it even simpler. That's what English is. For merchants, for people like that. And if you look at it and you understand the language that was created, it was created to build empires. <laughs> to create debt and to create creditors. Yeah, there was a thing that I took, it was called creditors and commerce, right? How do you know creditors, creditors and debtors? And one of the things that they said in there, which was pretty uh, interesting to me, is that Jesus Christ was the greatest creditor known to man. And um, through the language, um, we see that what he was saying was really um, a, a creditor state of mind. And we see this, I'm gonna tell you, give you a little secret. So we see Jesus Christ says, give, give unto Caesars what is Caesars, give to God what is God's. Well, I had a friend that kind of got into this little argument, <laughs> not argument, but he was getting passionate about it, right? Cause he does all this stuff, commerce stuff. I don't do that. I mean, that's I'm in the spiritual arena. Um, but he said, uh, well, why should I give to Caesar? So we know this, like pay the tax man, that kind of thing, right? That's kind of what Jesus said. Just give unto Caesar's. Like they said, what would you say about tax? Well, give unto Caesar's what is Caesar's. Well, my friend goes, well, nothing is Caesar's. And I go, exactly. It's exactly what he was saying. Nothing belongs to us. Give it back. Who cares? It's not ours. It's not his. Let him think it's his. But if we give to God what is God's, then we live in abundance. Now that takes true faith and understanding how the world works. It's not, he wasn't just saying, oh, give to God and everything's going to just fall out of the sky. That's not how it works. You have to have true faith that abundance is here because this world was not created by us. We didn't create this world. I mean, there's, there, I'm sure there's theories out there that we did that our minds creating it. But I would say this world was, we live with it. We're of it. We're in it. It helps us. We, we, we came from whatever was here. We derived from it. We're a part of it. 
it is a part of us. But I can tell you now, when we're looking at these systems, the parasympathetic system um, and uh, the sympathetic system, but when you look at it and you look at the parasympathetic system, it's an automatic system. We don't do anything. It just operates. We literally could exist without our sympathetic system. Would we survive? Probably not. Okay. Good morning, Roberto. So the parasympathetic system <laughs> allows us to operate automatically. Well, I didn't create that shit, right? Let's be real. That shit just keeps going no matter what. It just goes and goes and goes and goes. Our heart beats, our brain functions, our body produces cells. You know, we would atrophy again uh, eventually if we didn't move around, but we can move around. And if we didn't have this monkey mind, which we call the monkey mind, which allowed us to survive, we, I mean, we really wouldn't be here, but we wouldn't need it <laughs> to live is what I'm saying. It's an automatic system. It automatically works and functions. Now we come in with the sympathetic system, which is the fight, flight, freeze response system that has kept us alive. And then it has started to rationalize what we see. And then we've created logos. So giving you different ways of understanding that this is an illusion we've created. Okay. Sometimes we're so far in the illusion that we can't see past it. We can't understand. We can't separate ourselves to have an eagle's eye view, right? To look at it truly for what it is. To be able to say, ah, oh, yeah, okay. I get it now. I understand. We've made shit up, okay? And what we exist in today um, is a creditor commerce type of structure in America specifically, okay? We have other structures that have been, that's why we see different world governments and all this stuff, and they're trying to make everybody live by one particular way of being, one government. It'll never happen. That's like trying to say we want everybody to live under one storyline. It's not good. How can it happen? Like Christine said, is, isn't there people who think differently? Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what happens. You can't, I can't get five people in the room and have them think exactly the same way. See if that works. Good luck. Go. I dare you. <laughs> You're always going to run into to different perceptions. It's never going to be the same. They'll be very close and perhaps a lot in common. But there's not two people that see the world exactly the same way. So I know people kind of freak out about like one world order, new world order, blah, blah, blah. They're going to try, but will they maintain it? No. People might lie and pretend that they believe in whatever it is. But there's no, what, no way that people, unless robots and programmed, which they try to program us, but it's not possible because we're human and we have choice that everybody's going to believe in one way of existing in the world. Okay. Even under specific governments, is that happening? It's just not possible. People are afraid, but you're always going to have that one. Even look at, so let's look at movies where they try to, uh, 
prophesize perhaps what would happen if we were under one government. You have what we call divergence, right? I don't know if you guys have seen that movie Divergent. There's always a couple that that are like, no, <laughs> what is this? See, that's the human mind. There's always going to be somebody transcending the story. You can't get people to think the same way. There was another movie. I can't remember the name of it. It's a book. I read the book. I don't really read um, fiction books much. I'm always reading nonfiction, but I did read this book. And the guy, one of the guys, most people saw him black and white. I don't know how, why or how. I don't remember how, but I know that one person saw in color, and that was the person that held all the wisdom of of the people, all the history of the people, and he saw in color. And so again. What does that tell you? It tells you that we have imagination and that we can't just live under one storyline. So for those of you who might be in fear or panic about this, don't panic, don't fret. It's okay. <laughs> I promise you it's going to be okay. You got to transcend it though. If you get stuck in the storyline and they suck you into that way of thinking, well then, you know, your mind's going to go off into the weeds and that illusion, but you can transcend that illusion. You can think outside of that. So there you have it. Okay. <laughs> Hopefully this is helpful. There you have it. All right. So I, what is today? Thursday? Yes, Thursday. Um, I won't be on tomorrow, obviously. And work, but um, I hope this was helpful. I hope these are helping you. I hope these dialogues are helping you. And I hope that, the Emerald Tablets of Alchemy for Personal Transformation is giving you some insight as to what is spiritual alchemy and how has it played out and a huge role um, in what we see today in societies that are shaped in the storyline that we see. We're almost done with chapter two. Then we will move on to chapter three, Conversations with Hermes. Um, and um, you start to see in um, these pictures that they have in the book, uh, the symbology that we see in Masonic lodges and what we see in Freemasonry because that's where they pulled it from. So just so you know, just giving you the history so you guys kind of understand where it all stemmed from um, and how it was created. So there you go. Um, all right. So you have a fantastical day and I will be seeing you guys on Monday. Bye.